All right, right now it's my pleasure to welcome former New York Rangers defenseman Jeff Bukerboom to the show. Uh, how you doing, Jeff? Very good, thank you. Jeff, Ranger fans uh, remember you as the hard-hitting partner of Brian Leach for, for so many years, and I'm not so sure many younger fans of the Rangers even know that you came to New York as a part of that uh, the big trade that landed Mark Messier back in 1991. Well, I, yeah, I think there's a little bit of confusion behind that because of the fact that I was part of the deal, but I came out... Uh, basically a month uh, six weeks later right so uh i think uh you know plus at the same time you know mark's already there <laughs> whatever else comes doesn't matter so much well i wouldn't quite say that i mean you were key you were obviously a key defenseman for many years and and uh brian leach's partner but you're right you weren't over there i think maybe that's why maybe it's overlooked that you weren't a part of the deal uh, immediately that you came over a little bit uh a delayed there absolutely i think uh you know, Mark is such a larger-in-life character and person, obviously as a player also, that, uh, you know, once he arrives and the, the culture started changing, that mm-hmm. I was fortunate to come a little bit later just to, you know, Easy. ride shotgun with him and help him know <laughs> <laughs> the transformation of, you know, what we try to do as a team, obviously, is to bring a championship back. Sure, and, and of course I want to talk to you more about your time with the Rangers for sure, but if for a second we could just take a step back and, and reflect a little bit about your career as a hockey player. You were taken in the first round of the 1983 draft by the Edmonton Oilers, and you had spent two more years in junior before coming uh, to Edmonton and, and to play with the Oilers, and I did a little research. You, you played with the Salt St. Marie Greyhounds, and mm-hmm. it looks like you played with a couple of guys that had some long careers in New York, John Van Beesbrook and Derek King, who played on the island for many years, were your teammates in, in junior. Yes, absolutely. My first year in uh, in Sault Ste. Marie, uh, my goalie was Van Beesbrook, and he he was a, uh, the glue to that team. We lost in OHL finals that year, and we had five rookie defensemen, and then John was our um, saving grace back there. I guess right. uh, he was a top goalie in the league at that time, and he was obviously uh, turned into a good NHL career at the same time. Derek King actually was a he came my last year junior, and it was his first year. He won Rookie of the Year. I uh, actually lived with Derek, and uh, we roomed together in Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, had the same billet, and he was a good kid. And, uh, you know, obviously he's older now, but he's you know, yeah, he he turned into a, a really good player for us, and he had a great you know good good career. Now that's the the time you spent. You were drafted. You spent two more years in junior before coming to the NHL. Did that extra seasoning, so to speak, help you in terms of when you did get to the NHL? In terms of making you ready to play at that level? Oh, absolutely. It was uh, you know, first of all, you're trying to break it in your <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers, who at that time were in the powerhouse, and they had uh, Hall of Famers all over the roster mm-hmm. at every position, it seemed and. It was it was tough to uh, crack the lineup. Even once they kept me there, I did play a year in the, and uh, broke into their lineup. It was tough to uh, get a regular spot for a few years because of the the depth and uh, sure. in the organization. And at the same time, you know they were so you know I Such came right in the middle team. of those uh, championships. So luckily I was part of them. But at the same time, it was it was tough because. The, our, our practices were probably as tough as most teams' games, playing <laughs> against Gretzky, Curry, Messi, Anderson, and this one uh, pretty deep. Right, I guess it was kind of tough to, to forge your game until you, you got to New York, where, where, of course, you got the a lot of ice time when you ended up with the Rangers a few years later. But growing up, did you mold your game after anyone? Um, I, I think as most young defensemen and players, you, you know, you're in junior, you're putting up points, and you think you're one type of player, and then you get to the pros and you realize... Uh, that's not my style really so 
it took me a while to find my niche. I obviously was a really good defensive defenseman, hard-nosed uh, penalty killer, and um, I think it was it took me a while to find out what I was and how, you know, uh, believe in that, I guess, But mm-hmm. as most young players. But as a defenseman, it's that much tougher. Sure. Did you have any chi- – who were your chi- – I'm sure you did. Who were your, your childhood idols growing up? Well, I had an uncle played an angel named Ed Kia. He was an idol of mine. Obviously, Bobby Orr was um, – uh, finish his career by the time I started, but he was a he was an idol of mine as well as many other players, I'm sure. And then my brother played junior ahead of me, so he he, you know, I looked up to him and uh, tried to you know learn from his uh, career. Also, you know, he was fortunate enough to play on some a good, couple good junior teams and some guys who played pro. So I, I looked up to those three gentlemen and uh, tried to model myself after some of them, and then. And just idolized a few at the same time. Now you grew up in Ontario, Lindsay, I think. Yeah, I grew up in Lindsay, Ontario. Now you grew up a, a Leafs fan, or is that the closest team to Lindsay? And that's the closest team, but I was never really a Leaf fan. I, I seem to, you know, Boston was one of my teams because of Bobby Orr, mm-hmm. and never really had a favorite team. Uh, it seemed like every year in the playoffs, someone would go on a run. Like I remember one year, Minnesota knocked off the Canadians, and and there was a few. Uh, situations like that, so I. You're I a bandwagon fan, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Quite honestly, I was a little bit. I loved the game, and I was a big fan of the game, but I didn't really go crazy about one particular team as a kid. Yeah, character. exactly. Right. But uh, you know, and then obviously you get in the league and you're playing for the two teams that did and the two organizations that did, and you still have a real alliance to both of them. Now, Joe Newendike uh, is your cousin, also, isn't he? Yeah, that's correct. Did, did you ever have a chance to play with him at, uh, at at a top level, or? No, no, we were well. When I was in Edmonton, he was in Calgary, so we had quite the rivalry right. there. <laughs> and we actually played each other in the playoffs one time. It was it was quite the battle. We um, how did that get cousins in front? Of, I'm sure you had a few encounters in front of the net those years with those rivalries uh, uh, yeah, in Calgary. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I always made the remark that he had he got the, all the skill and the hands uh, in the family bloodlines, whereas I was the uh, <laughs> More of a heart and soul type player, but <laughs> uh, and he he's obviously already in my estimation he's gonna be a Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but we had our battles, like I said, when you went seven went seven games deep in the playoffs, and, w- and actually was decided in overtime, and we ended up winning and uh, losing to Minnesota in the semifinals, who lost to Pittsburgh in the finals. So we had a we had a really good team and a lot of great great people, uh, as you know, with. Uh, just recently, uh, Wayne Gretzky's 50th birthday, and Mark Messi wasn't too far behind. I think his was on the 21st of January. It's so crazy to think that you guys are 50 years old now. Well, I'm not yet, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Those guys are old compared to me. <laughs> I, they got five years on me, so I'm lucky. Uh, so it was, like you said, there were so many great memories, and especially in New York, it was such a fun time to be around uh, New York mm-hmm. as a Ranger and as a, you know, pretty good team for a number of years. Now you mentioned the Flames, and, and I don't know if everyone is aware, some of the younger people again in the audience, that the, the Flames-Oilers rivalry was one of the biggest rivalries in the NHL, certainly as, as much as the Rangers-Islanders rivalry was in, it, in its heyday. Those two teams uh, played hard against each other. Absolutely. Uh, it was uh, it was very uh, intense. It was, it was bitter. It was everything, like you said, the Ranger-Islander rivalry was. Um, you know, you're there wasn't as many people involved, maybe, but uh, 
when they picked a side, it, it was a it was a, like a battle to the death. Sort yeah, of thing yeah. In that province, and you know, plus not, not only that, but some of the best players in the league. Ronnie some great hockey been, back then with, yeah, with watching those series. Absolutely, absolutely, and it was like I said, it was bitter, and uh, you know, they won uh, uh, the one year they beat us out of the playoffs, and I think it was eighty five, eighty four, eighty five. You know, we played a number of times, and there were always hard-fought battles, and everyone tried to get the, you know, there was no uh, love lost between any of them. I don't, I don't know if you see that same type, I, I don't know what your thought is, but that intensity, I think back to those days, and there was, I don't, I don't know if it was real hatred between people, but it just seemed more intense <coughs> than than the game today. Is is it different, do you think, the intensity, or how has the game changed on, on the ice in that regard? Well, I, I definitely think the game's changed dramatically. Um, uh, it's so much more skilled, more speed. Back then, uh, you know, there was probably some of the best skilled and speed players in the league. You know, on either team, you look at Gretzky, Messi, Curry, Anderson, the list goes on. And then the same with Calgary. They had uh, Gary Roberts, Joe Nundike, Gilmore, Theo Fleury, and the list went sure. on there also. So. You know, there were some guys there with their skill sets that wouldn't look out of place in the NHL today, obviously, if you could uh, transform into this age of hockey. But, you know, as a whole, the game's changed so dramatically that, you know, there's probably a little more uh, liberties being taken yeah. back then than there is now. I think as far so. As what, what's allowed and what's, uh, you know, what, what's deemed legal. What you could so get away with. Um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot more hooking and holding, mm-hmm. which probably. Uh, Slows didn't it help uh, the Oilers when it when No, certainly not. That would be a different team in today's NHL. Yeah, absolutely. But it was, uh, like you said, it was a healthy rivalry, and uh, yeah. I think everyone enjoyed it that was around it. Now, when you came to the Rangers in 91, you had already experienced winning the Cup with, with Mark and the Oilers uh, three times in, in 87, 88, and, and 1990. You always hear how experience is such an important intangible when it comes to winning. And Now, while Edmonton is certainly a great hockey town, New York is, is a much bigger stage. Uh, how did that experience of winning those Cups in Edmonton help in, in when it came time to the Rangers' time when they won the Cup uh, in 94? Well, I think it was invaluable because of... Uh look at the Ranger team, there's seven ex-Oilers on that team that had won championships in Edmonton, and you know, just to go through it, and then especially the way it, it all uh, came out in the wash as far as the Jersey going seven games and, and uh, mm-hmm. Vancouver going seven games, I think that experience was invaluable. I think it uh, helped us to um, you know go through the ups and downs of that playoff run. There's no doubt about it. With all the different voices, all the different uh, people you know, pushing and pulling in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, you got a chance to play with one of the, the all-time great uh, defensemen and Brian Leach in, in Rangers history, and you guys yeah. complemented each other so well in terms of the way, the type of game that you guys played. What was it like uh, being a part of that, that tandem with Brian? Well, I was, you know, I lucky to be in the right spot at the right time because... You wouldn't Brian have lasted as long as you did, though, if you you know didn't do your job as well as you <laughs> did either. So don't you know you deserve well, some credit too. Yeah, but Brian was you know people don't give Brian Leach enough credit how good he was. I think in my estimation, he was he was a gritty for his size. He was as he tough. Could, he was such a competitor and so tough. He blocked shots. He going to corners with the biggest guys and wouldn't let up an inch. <laughs> and then skill wise, he was probably as complete player as there was at that time. But uh, you know, he, and he didn't want the sh- 
uh, limelight. He 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 loved being in the back seat to Mark and yeah. To, uh, and he kind of located. I mean, like you said, if yeah. he had a different personality, he might have been bigger. But his talent and and the way he performed in New York certainly was uh, as good as anyone. Yeah, and I I think uh, unless you you know people seen him on a nightly basis or you know were in that division, they didn't uh, you know. People out west, just like you know, it is today. Where if you live out east, you don't appreciate some of the talent that's out in the west mm-hmm. and conference. Uh, you know, people didn't see him enough. They didn't appreciate him. They didn't know how good he really was because he was pretty low key, and he, and he gravitated towards being lo- very low key and very um, subdued. I guess is almost a good way to say him. But and Mark was a, you know, he was such a big personality right. that you know, I, I think that's why. Brian really liked playing for the Rangers because Mark would be the one that would take all, you know, he, he liked it, or Mike, Mark was used to it, and Brian didn't want it, but, and Perfect he could, do his, he could yeah. play his game and enjoy it that yeah. way. You mentioned Mark, and of course he's known as, as such a great leader, and I, I had Mike Gartner on a while back, and I asked him if he could recall an example of how Mark led in the locker room, and he mentioned an incident where... Uh, I guess when he had just come over, I don't know if you had been there yet, uh, or if you even remember this. It's, it's, mm-hmm. but he there were there were garbage pails, I guess, in the middle of the locker room. And one of the first things that Gartner said that he had done is he immediately moved them off to the side so everyone could kind of kind of see each other eye to eye in the locker room after in between periods or practice and so forth. So right down to changing the structure of the locker room, all these little things that he did to try to help bring the team together. Can you recall any incident like that with the Rangers that Mark did that, that kind of goes unnoticed? Yeah, you know, if we got together as a team, um, you know, he'd invite the coaches, he'd invite the stick boys, the therapists, the equipment guys. He, everyone was invited. He knew that for us to win, it wasn't just the 22, 24, or 5 guys in the room. It was the coaches. It was everyone. And, you know, we got together. We made sure everyone was invited and everyone was welcomed. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to make sh- He was good with making sure everyone was included in everything. And... You know, he, and he treated everyone the same way. No one was treated. No one. You know, he didn't give anyone special right. treatment right. as far as, oh, well, you're you're 50 goal scoring, you're not sort mm-hmm. of thing. He was, you know, he, he was a great teammate, and he led by example. You know, it's like when uh, he called the shot in the Jersey game. You know, I asked him, "So why are you do it?" He says, "Well, why not?" <laughs> you know, and that, you know, in his right. own way, he took all the pressure off the rest of the team. Right, right. And um, as a result. You know, obviously we, we kind of like did that with Leach too by by calling that shot out. Everyone's going to him. Everyone else yeah. can focus on the game. Just in the same way with Brian, even uh, the way everyone focused on Mark and Brian could just go out there and play his game. So that's you're right. An intangible is just his personality by taking the pressure off other guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and that was huge. You know, we he was very good at at uh, deflecting things. Mm-hmm. I, I heard a story too when Darren Langdon first came up that uh, I, I don't know why this sticks out in my head that the f- his first day when he came up uh, he had a brand new suit waiting in his locker room for him courtesy of Mark <laughs> it's things like I mean things like that yeah. that go a long way oh absolutely yeah and uh, like I said he he knew that you know everyone was so important to the cause that if you started uh, saying well he's more important uh, you know he weren't going to win and I think you know we had such a good team that first year he came over, but at the same time he realized that we probably didn't have the perfect pieces in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was great to go over there and be so successful right away. But we, at the same time, you know, we had to experience some downtime. You know, the next year we suffered right. with a lot of injuries. Brian missed a lot of time, um, uh, 
and the list was pretty deep mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. injuries. And then Keenan came in the next year, and you know, everything came together. Everything came together, yeah. absolutely. Now, in, in Game Seven in uh, in '94 against the Devils, you were on the ice when when Matteau scored that big game winner. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So, where does that rate in terms of uh, your top moments on the ice? Well, it's right up there. There's no doubt about it. We, uh, you know, it was such a big goal, obviously, and we really um, couldn't go on, you know. But w- that was, you know, I guess the best way to put it when you when you really get down to it is, you know, how important Stefan Matteau was that team was just as important as, you know, Jay Wells and sure. um, Brian Noonan. Or Brian Noonan and, uh, you know, the list goes on and on mm-hmm. because, you know, Seth Matola having to score some huge goals for his that playoff run. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, Craig McTavish came in, and he was such an important part to our penalty killing and our uh, D and defensively and leadership. And, yeah. You know, the list goes on and on. But, you know, you can talk about it forever. And But, you know, Seth Matola... That moment was as big as anything. I mean, he'll live here in New York. Point. I mean, in his career, he'll Absolutely. always be remembered for that goal. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and you know, rightfully so. Obviously, it's been a long time since they won a championship up until then, and now uh, it's been a long time since it seems. And you know, it seems like yesterday. I can recall the memories from those that that those nights and right. those uh, those those wins and the championship. So. You know, it's great to have those memories still with me, obviously, and um, and to be part of with such a special group. You were on the ice, I think, when they tied it too. Was there any a little extra incentive there to to get that game won, being that you were on the ice <laughs> when they they tied the score? With only well, a couple of seconds left. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, so go from the lowest low to such a high. Obviously, and I, I, you know, it showed how much character we had as a team to, you know, pull ourselves together and and get her going because there were so many ups and downs in that series. Right. We were. You know, we started the first game and lost in overtime. And then we won a couple, and then they won a couple. And, you know, it looked like we were dead in the water. Mark calls a shot, and then looked like we were going to win in regulation seven seconds after they <laughs> score. And, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was a great movie script. There's no doubt about it, uh, the way it was written those last two playoff rounds. And, you know, for us to come out victorious was huge. Now, I want to mention also, while you were here in New York, I know you did a lot of uh, charity work, particularly with the, the Ice Hockey in Harlem program. I'm sure giving back to the community has its own rewards uh, as well as the ones you get on the ice when you were here. Well, there's no doubt about it. You know, it's funny, you know, when I first uh, started playing in Edmonton, you know, everyone was encouraged and everyone did do a lot of charitable work in, in, uh, in Edmonton, you know, obviously with Wayne and Mark you know, they did some national stuff also. And, you know, you, you try to, you know, I'm here coaching young kids, and we do a lot of things with school, uh, you know, reading at schools, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we do stuff out in the community, and you try to tell them how important it is, and it's hard for them to relate, but, you know, they don't, uh, you know, they you got to tell them, says, well, if you're going to make it as pro, this is all being part of a pro also. Right, you got to right. be part of things. you got to be part of the community. And, you know, whether you're in a small community in junior hockey or a huge one, obviously, in New York, then, you know, it, it's so important to... It's part of what it means to be a professional hockey player. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it's important that you do it, and it's important that you believe in it also, because some guys in, this prof- in the pro- professional sports, they do it just to make themselves look good. And it's not about... Uh, you know the passion and the, the 
love for things. It, I think that's why that team also is endeared by the fans so much too. You had guys like Adam Graves, who everyone knows all the stories about his charitable work, but but seeing you guys in the community and being a part of the community, I think it makes it all the more sweet for the fans of the team when when uh, when you guys win it that uh, the community feels a part of it. Well, yeah, it doesn't hurt. That's for sure. Like you said, it's all part of the makeup and. You know, for me, learning at such an early age in Edmonton and being part of different charitable foundations, and and still keep in touch. I still keep in touch with those people in New York about the ice hockey Harlem, right? You know, and try to make it to the golf tournaments and a couple of fundraisers a year. But it's harder and harder. But you know, it, it's great to see that sure. you know, uh, some of the work that I've done is still carrying on, and they're still. Uh, involved with the Rangers, and the Rangers still support them. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I feel. Sp- I feel lucky to be part of it for six years, eight years, whatever it was, and right. um, you know, hopefully it'll go on forever. And you know, it keeps touching those kids with these, uh, uh, you know, that need it especially. Absolutely, and and you played eight plus years for the Rangers before uh, concussions forced you to retire. You basically took a, a sucker punch from Matt Johnson of the of the Kings. This is back in November of, of 1998, and that kind of predipo- predisposed you, I guess is the word, to, to further concussions because I know later that season you suffered a, another concussion from a, a somewhat minor collision, one yeah. that, that ultimately ended your, your playing career. Did you or, or do you have any or harbor any hard feelings towards Johnson because of that incident? Not really. I, you know, it was part I, of the game? I was a little disappointed there was no apology or anything because I know they suspended I was an him angel for on the ice, and I've you know mm-hmm. I've done things that I probably shouldn't have. But right. at the same time, you know, if I hurt someone in the way that he hurt me, I definitely would apologize and said something about it. That was only you know I I try not to look at it and say you know things always happen for a right. reason. I'm right. I'm where I am today for a reason, and you know I'm I enjoy what I'm doing now, coaching minor ho- uh, junior hockey, and mm-hmm. hopefully we can I can. You know, help influence a kid to get to to the his next dream level. and help out. See now, now Mike Richter also had to retire due to concussions. A little bit different than what happened to you, but yeah. But do you yeah. think the National Hockey League needs to do anything to to p- try and prevent these type of injuries? And and if they are doing stuff, are they they doing enough? Is that something that the the league should focus on, or is that just kind of the dangers that come with playing in the game? Well, there's definitely a danger of playing the game. You're gonna those things happen. You know, but at the same time, it's it is what it is you know it's a contact sport and you're gonna get rid of some of it and i think they've come a long way to clean it up and taking out the unnecessary contact to the head mm-hmm. but you know i think there's always going to be some questions surrounding the, the physicality right. of the game and, and the results of that but to, you know I, they've obviously taken steps in the right direction and they continue to to evaluate the game and you know they'll be okay. I think you know I'm not yeah. worried about the game. I think it's just the game's as good as ever been as far as skill level and talent. But mm-hmm. hopefully they don't lose you know some of the great players or any players for the matter for sure. concussions. But I think that's too much to ask. Right. Well, you retired from the game in in uh, July of '99 with a, a total of 1,890 penalty minutes in in 804 games I have here, and I believe you're you're currently second on the the Rangers all-time penalty minute list due to mostly the just the type of physical game you played with the Rangers. But when you had to retire, was it was it hard to let go of the game for you at that point, or were you what were you feeling when you when it came time for you to hang up the the skates at that level? I I, I always said I think because of the you know, it's not like I was in a situation where I had my body was fine and I could, thought I could play, mm-hmm. and my my skill level probably deteriorated. It was more like, hey, my body just said enough is enough, and I had to live with that. And so I think it was easier for me to walk away from the game of that 
in that situation mm-hmm. than it would have been the other way where, hey, I'm 38 or whatever, I can still play and no one wanted me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've always said that, uh, you know, I, I've got no regrets the way it happened and I can live with it. And, you know, moving on, I got three great kids and a great wife still. And, and my, my son's actually yeah. playing, you know, playing junior in my old town and he's, uh, you know, drafted in the NHL. Hopefully, he gets a career. And my daughter's in university, and I got uh, my youngest going to high school soon. So, you know, I've been pretty lucky and pretty blessed. So, I'm not going to dwell on the negatives. Absolutely not. I know you, you have a son Brock that's playing some competitive hockey right now. Is he as big as his dad yet? No, he's he's about six two. He's a good size, obviously, but he's not uh, as big as dad. He's a oh, he's a different type of player. He's mm-hmm. more of a complete defenseman. Uh, he's skating is a real asset is compared to me i was a probably a good skater for a big man but not a great skater by any means but he's a very solid strong skater good two-way defenseman who i think you know, he has opportunity to fulfill his dreams whether he gets or not we'll see but i think tampa bay is pretty happy with him to be in their organization and and we'll see what happens with him yeah. you know, maybe you'll be playing in new york <laughs> one of these days and <laughs> wouldn't that be something <laughs> yeah, it'd be quite a thrill for me, quite honestly. Hey, you know, I wanted to ask you, too, with the concussions. I know after your last one, you, you suffered all the post-concussion syndromes for yep. for a while. You don't still suffer from them today. I know the Jets' Altoon uh, had, for years, suffered from post-concussion uh, yeah. syndrome. Is that something that still affects you, or are you, are you fully through that? No, I'm I'm through that. I, uh, you know, my day-to-day life is just as the same as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I can work out and do whatever I need to. Uh, I, it was, you know, it wasn't that the, that wasn't the case after uh, when I retired. It took right. about two years to recover from mm-hmm. this. Uh, you know, on a day-to-day basis, have waking up with those type of yeah, sim- yeah. different symptoms. But, but you know, now we're to the point where you know everything's fine, and you know, I got to leave a lead a normal life for a 45-year-old man, I guess. <laughs> well, currently, you're, I know you're an assistant coach with the, the Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey uh, League. Now, are you also co-owner of the, the Lindsay Muskies, a junior team in your hometown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a small minority owner of that team. So now I'm, I'm not sure how many people are familiar with the, the Ontario League, but we're talking about really young players, right? Well, yeah, both leagues we're talking about are 16 to 20. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Ontario Hockey League is, uh, you know, for the New York Rangers uh, and Islanders fans that might be listening, you know, John Tavares played in this league as a 14-year-old, which is un- pretty uh, well unheard of. Usually uh, he got a bit of an exemption because he had a late birthday and he was such a great player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Stahl, so the assistant captain for the Rangers, played here in Sudbury. You know, and the list goes pretty deep on the, uh, with the, throughout the league. There's a lot of Ontario kids uh, in the league and uh, junior kids, for that matter, from Canada. So, you know, we're uh, we're uh, probably not going to be getting a number one picked uh, in the NHL out of the this league this year. I'm uh-huh. pretty confident of that. Or we might. I'm not sure. But, you know, if you look at the draft of the last uh, five years, it, there's, it's pretty deep in OHL players, mm-hmm. let alone junior hockey players. So, you know, we're we're a strong developmental league for – the NHL, I think last year the, the stat was was of uh, 42-43% of the OHL, uh, NHL draft was out of the Ontario Hockey League. That's a so pretty high percentage, yeah. Some yeah, quality players, high. young players yeah. there. So, you, you know, we, we're we a very good league. Uh, what people don't realize is, um, you know, everyone in our league is on scholarship for, uh, for university. So they have some sort of a 
Right, right. So, um, you know, the Americans don't really know much about that, and which is fine. But you know, they, you know, not everyone gets to play in the NCA and and get some. You know, right, it's kind of like that equivalent in, in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a younger league, though. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're more like I said, our oldest players are twenty, and usually in the NCA, that's their freshman year or it might be a sophomore year, unless you're a real star. Right. But uh, we're a younger league, and uh, like I said, we we're pretty proud of our league. It's not perfect, but you know we you know I do my we do our best, and I do my best here to make sure kids come in here and have a great ex- hockey well, experience you figure, as well as a life experience. You figure the, the NCAA is 18 to 22 and you're talking 16 to 20, but, but what you guys are doing is the same in that it's it's a developmental league and hopefully you know it can help bring them to, to the next level. The, 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 yeah, the, the, absolutely. And like I said, uh, you know, not everyone plays at the next level, but uh, guys drafted out of our league last year in the NHL draft were 40, over 40%, so you know, high percentage. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of kids playing college hockey here mm-hmm. in Canada that came through the uh, junior ranks that are getting their school and paid for. Sure. So, you know, there's a combination of uh, money coming from these OHL, you know, in our case, OHL teams mm-hmm. to pay for the schooling, and then schools in Canada actually give out scholarships. So a lot of kids are getting free schooling out of it. Uh, you know, I think out of the money we put aside, I think about 80% of the kids use their money to go to secondary school. That's great. Yeah. secondary So, you know, we're, it's a good means to a great start in your life, regardless if you play pro or not. Uh, how much do you enjoy the coaching aspect of it? Do you have any aspirations to, to coach at a higher level or perhaps in the, back in the National Hockey League one day? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, my goal is to pursue the, you know, my dreams again as a, as a hockey coach. And, you know, I, I believe, well, I know I'm a good coach. <laughs> I'm a pretty humble person, but I know I, I'm what I'm capable of, and mm-hmm. I, I believe in myself. And, sure. You know, I hope to be back in, as a pro coach sooner or later, but I'm not in a big hurry. I, right. I believe you have to, you know, you have to take your lumps dues and, right. you know, do what's do what makes you you gotta you know you gotta get the experience more than anything. Sure, sure. I'm sure at each level there's something else you learn to to you know just like as a player it's kind of the absolutely. same thing. Yeah. Absolutely, that's true. Well, Jeff, listen, I know Ranger fans are never going to forget uh, all the hard work that you put into their organization, and, and I know the fans appreciate the role you had in bringing a cup back to New York for the first time in, in 54 years. So I want to thank them. Uh, I want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you again for giving me a few minutes of your time this evening, and uh, I want to wish best of luck to you in the future. No problem. Well, thanks for your time, and it's great to have a voice in the New York market again for a little while. Yeah, you bet. It's, it's a hard to believe how uh, how many years ago it's been since you guys uh, won the Cup. It seems like yesterday. It's hard to believe it's been, what, 16 years or so now. Yeah, absolutely. It is tough. It is hard to believe, but I guess when things are going well, you know, time flies. Yeah, yes, it does. So that's the way I look at it. But uh, thanks again, and I'm glad you gave me a call to have the opportunity sure. to discuss things. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you.